0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Right before we get into um, our message, we want to share with you guys. First of all, let me back up. Good morning again. How's everybody doing? Good to see you. If you are a um, first-time visitor or guest here, we have a connection card in your program that you should have gotten. Please uh, take time to fill out that connection card. Give us as much information about yourself as you would like. On the back of that connection card is a place where you can give prayer requests or uh, any kind of suggestions or thoughts in your mind. Please feel free to fill that out and turn that in to us, and we'd be more than glad to pray with you, connect with you, and talk with you and and share with you a little bit as well. Um, We're going to continue a series here that we call um, Good to Great in God's Eyes by Chip Ingram. Um, If this is uh, your—if you just got here, you missed the first message, that's great. This is only the second part of this uh, series that we're doing. Before we get into this message, we want to share a brief uh, testimony with you on how this is kind of tied, this testimony is going to kind of tie into what we dealt with a few weeks ago and this week in this series that we're doing. So I want you guys to welcome Wendy as she comes up to share with us. Well,
1: good morning. Um, He said I'm Wendy, but my name is Wendy Golden. Some of you might not have known my name. Um, so two weeks ago I came to church and I got kind of emotional because, um, uh, it just really hit me, the message really hit me, okay? Uh, it was talking about uh, baggage and how God wants to free us of our baggage to be able to serve the Lord better, and I, it occurred to me that day that the Lord was really after me to free me from some major baggage, um, I had been uh, away for the last month taking a class, a college class, and uh, it's to keep up my teaching certification. The class is called the Bullyproof Classroom. So it was about bullying, which is a tough subject. And um, it it occurred to me that that was some of the baggage that God wanted me to be free from because I had been bullied as a child. Uh, The scripture, Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Um, This is what God wants to do for us. And as Pastor Brian had mentioned, it's not necessarily just sins, but it's, you know, just unhealthy things. So, um, I didn't want to take this class. Uh, First of all, it was keeping me away from church. And I work and I didn't want to take off, you know, during the week. So I had it on the weekends. Um, I also didn't want to take the class because it costs a lot of money. And because I'm currently not teaching, so uh, I'm just trying to keep up my certification, maybe get back in later. But my dad, my stepdad, and when I prayed, my Heavenly Father gave me guidance to go ahead and take the class. So lo and behold, the Lord had this planned all along because he had used that to heal my heart. Um, The baggage that I was carrying around is that I, I still saw myself the same way as during the time I was bullied when I was a child. And it's been a long time. And I haven't been bullied for a long time. And I still see myself through those eyes. And it's ridiculous in this time to let it go. And uh, the last song that was sung two weeks ago, Reckless Love, it says, uh, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. And it hit me, he was coming after me, he was using this class, he was trying to heal my heart. And I was really emotional. A couple of you know, I was crying, you know. Um, It's just so kind of the Lord to just use even unusual things like that, where you're taking a class. You don't expect God to show up. Turns out the professor was a born-again Christian. Most of the the other um, teachers were born-again Christians. And even if they weren't, I mean, the Lord was using it, you know. So that was my big, mind-blowing, the Lord really does love us and come after us kind of experience. Um... And last week, the sermon was about thinking great thoughts. And what the Lord showed me was to combat some of these bad thoughts that go through our heads, keeping us in that loop of, you know, in my case, being bullied and, you know, seeing myself in a lowly way, um, is to have the thought that we are worthwhile. We really are worthwhile, actually. And God did a lot to show us that he feels that way. I mean, he gave his very, very best that he had. He didn't have any better than his own son. And he gave his own son to bring us back to him. So we, he really sees us as worthwhile. And that's a great thought, right, to be going through our heads. That message is for youth, it's for adults, it's for anybody of any age, that we are worthwhile. Um, I got a Facebook message recently that a way to com- combat tormenting thoughts, depression, and anxiety is just to acknowledge that we are Children of God, we are a child of the king of kings, and he has he he sees us as very worthwhile precious um, you know great value and of much worth so those are your good thoughts you can think about and there's my testimony thanks for listening
0: amen we wanted um we wanted to share that with you because We're doing this series here entitled um, Good to Great in God's Eyes. And last week we talked about um, thinking great thoughts. In order for us to be successful, in order to experience the very best that God has for us, we have to start thinking great thoughts and realizing that God thinks great thoughts about us and he desires us to think great thoughts. And in us thinking those great thoughts, we will experience this amazing life and growth and experience of who he is. And so when we deal with Wendy's uh, story of of being uh, trapped with that baggage of, of being bullied, Um, It's until she starts thinking those great thoughts and that positivity and she starts understanding who God is and what God has for her and how he wants her to overcome life and struggles, it's going to be a struggle to move forward in life for any of us. And so it starts with us thinking these amazing, wonderful, unbelievable, great thoughts of who God is and how much he values us and how much he cares for us. And it translates in our life and it begins to give us that freedom from that bondage that she talked about. Something that happened years ago because of great thoughts. It now allows her to experience God on a higher level and to recognize just how much He values her and how much value He has for her and for us. Uh, we did that because we're dealing with this book called From Good to Great in God's Eyes by Chip Ingram. This is our summer reading. We encourage each and every person to grab this book or grab it, uh, grab an audio version of it, uh, pop it in while you're driving down the road. Um, trying to block out your kids while you're washing dishes, whatever it is, put this in and play or read it and let it start to burn into your heart. So, it's by Chip Ingram. It's called From Good to Great in God's Eyes. Uh, Last week, we dealt with the topic of thinking great thoughts, and this week, we're going to deal with the topic from uh, Chip Ingram dealing with um, reading uh, great books. So, if you have your Bible, We're going to ask that you would stand with us as we go to the book of Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. Whether you have it or not, it'll be on the screen in just a few seconds. Um, I'm going to pray for us while you guys are flipping there. Uh, Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. Uh, Father God, open up our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive your word, to receive your truth. Lord God, you would build in us and place in us on passion and fire uh, to know you, to unite with you, Father. Open up our expectations, our hopes, our dreams and desires to be in the perfect place with you. To know you and to commune with you, Father. Use these next few moments for your great works. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, verses six through nine reads like this
1: And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, and when you're on the road, and when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates.
0: And you guys may be seated. Amen. Get that mic working. So what's going on? Read great books. Read great books. Um, This concept is basically that in order for you to be successful um, in life, if you want to experience God on a higher level, it also comes through reading great books. You can watch great TV shows. You can look at great movies. Um, you can watch all kinds of things, be involved on in all kinds of things. But books are a way that gets into our minds and our spirits, and they have a way of, of getting in there and giving us thoughts. Especially when it comes to reading, you have to put a little bit more focus and concentration in them. Um, books are being given to us. And as we're reading these books, as we're deciphering this information, as we're burning it into our hearts and our minds and our souls, this intelligence, this brain of ours is processing these words and it's taking it into heart and it's taking it into mind, spirit, and soul. And then we should translate and live out this idea. And so there's all kinds of books around in the universe. What kind of books should we read? What kind of books should we begin to put into our hearts and into our mind? I want to share with you a couple of points, about six points of what kind of great books to read that Chip Ingram highlights, and I want to share with you guys as well. Um, The first book that we want to deal with is um, the greatest book you will ever need, and that is the Bible. The Bible is the greatest book that you will ever need. Uh, When uh, the kings first became kings of Israel, um, they made them write out, they made each king write out every law that there was in the book or in the Bible or in the laws that they had at that time. Over 600 laws, they would write these down because they wanted the king to understand that these are the things that we want to process. These are the things that you want to live out. These are the ordinances that God gives us. And so they had each king write out all of these laws so that they themselves would be familiar with the laws. The Bible itself is this amazing book that gives us all kinds of insight. I want to read with you 2 Timothy third uh, chapter, verse 16 through 17. Just write this down in your notes if you have it. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is used to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It goes on to say it corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip us, prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It says that God's Word is inspired by him. The Word of God is written by him. It is given to, us, given to us through God's Spirit, and it gives us this information on how to live, how to do right, how to avoid wrong, how to recognize when we're doing wrong, and how to push through and have a better life. He says it's God's Word that changes us and moves us and takes us to another level. It's God's Word that helps us realize how we ought to live and how we ought to do things. And in the book of Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, verses 6 through 9, it begins to outline these five things I want to share with you about God's great Word. It says in verse number 6, it says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. It says that you must take your soul, your, your everything, you, and commit to it not, oh, almost cussed, not half-heartedly, but wholeheartedly. Not just a little bit, but a whole every part of you. You're going to take this heart of yours, you're going to take this mind of yours, and you're going to commit to God's commandments fully because that's what changes your life. Being able to commit to and spend time with and dwell with this Word of God. He says when you're able to commit wholeheartedly to this Word, when you're able to give it your 100%, that's when you will experience this life change. He says, not only do you commit wholeheartedly to following this word, whether you agree with it all the time, whether you like it or not, whether it frustrates you, whether it makes you happy, he says, but that you commit to it, that you surrender yourself, that you submit yourself to this word, because when you do, you'll start to do something in your life. You'll start to have and have all this uh, amazing processing of life and how to do things. It says in verse 7, it says, repeat them again and again to your children, it says, don't you just commit to this word, but start instilling these concepts of truth and Scripture to your children. Put this on your children. Share it with them again and again that they would understand what's right and what's wrong, not by your eyes or by anybody else's eyes, but by the eyes of the Lord, by the value of the Lord. It says from there, it says in point uh, number seven. C, it says, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you get up. He says, I want you to take this word, this word of God, this truth, and I want you to apply it to every aspect of your life, and I want you to take it with you everywhere you go. I want you to take it when you're on the road. I want you to take it when you're home, before you go to sleep, before you go to bed. Imagine if you and I started to live God's word out on a daily basis. What would that look like? It would look like us processing God's word before we responded a lot of times. Wow! Yeah, quiet. Okay, let me try it again. It would it would take us processing God's word before we responded. Imagine if you could respond to your coworker in a godly way because you used God's word as a filter before you actually said what you wanted to say. <laughs> like on the road, on the road. You know, you're driving your horse and buggy. Or, you know, whatever, and that guy comes and cuts you off. And before you respond like you want to respond, you process God's Word. And before you move, you think about what God's Word is saying and how it should translate and how you should experience this and how you should express this. And maybe your kid would see you respond in a way that's godly versus ungodliness. Okay, nobody else has got kids in the car when we've had those moments. (laughs) Okay, fine, great. Amen, I got one witness. Praise the Lord. Amen. The guy in the Deadpool shirt, of all shirts, right? (laughs) This is how we should respond. Like, we use this Word of God as this filter that comes out in a certain kind of way. This Word of God that when we're driving by, uh, we got a a, a Facebook message from from Jake Thompson, uh, one of our elders. He's driving, and he sees a car on fire on the Bay Bridge yesterday. And he takes the presence, he has a presence of mind to text everyone in the elder group and say, listen, there's a car on fire. We need to take a moment to pray for this family. Wow! That's through the lenses of God. Not pull over, not snapchat it, not take a couple shots of this car. Look how high that flame is. Wow! He doesn't do that. Maybe he did. I don't know. We didn't get that part. But he definitely, he definitely reached out to us after he took his pictures and said, Listen, we got to pray for this family. And while I'm driving down the road and I'm reading this text message, I don't feel like praying right now. It's just me. I got other things on my mind. I don't feel like praying. And then I process through the filter of God's lenses. All right, I'm about to pull up to the window to make this order. Let me pray real quick. Father God. And it changes my perspective. When you take God's Word with you everywhere you go, and you start to relive it over and over again, and it becomes the process as you read His Word, as you know His truth, as you know His Spirit, and you begin to process it, and it's the thought process before you leave and before you go, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you wake up, that changes life. That's where these great books, this greatest book you'll ever read, begins to process and work in your hearts. It says in letter D, it says, tie these Scriptures to your hands. Back then they had these kind of bracelets. They said, tie these scriptures around your hands and tie them around uh, your forehead. It would be, it's called a platelet. They would wear this jewelry that had this, this scripture or some kind of a phrase that would hang from the middle of their, of their eye right here in their forehead. And it says, you keep these platelets, these scriptures tied around you that you remember God's Word. Imagine if we had bracelets. Like, what would Jesus do before you did something with your hands that you had no business doing? That extra reminder Of God's Word and His truth, before you touched it, you could look and say, oh my God, I shouldn't probably touch that. It says to take these Scriptures, take God's truth, take His Word, and literally bind them around your wrist. Put them on your forehead that as you walk and as you move, you're constantly thinking that there's purpose and there's truth and that there's reason for your life. You're not doing that with a picture. You're doing that with God's Word that this greatest word you'll ever need from this greatest book that there ever has been written will be the thing that helps keep you focused. It says in verse 9, not only to take these scriptures in God's word and his truth, his holy word, he says, but I want you to write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. Before you leave home, remember who God is. Before you leave home, remember what your purpose is. And after a long day of frustration and anger and, and, and all the things that you've dealt with and just being tired, when you come back through that gate or come back through that door, remember who God is. If There's a wife or a husband I got to love. There's kids I got to spend time with. There's more than just me and putting my feet up and relaxing. There's still people that need to be sold into. Remember that when you come back into your house. He says, if you take this word, this great, amazing word, the greatest book you'll ever get with the greatest messages you'll ever get, and you apply it to every aspect of your life, coming and going, sharing it, he says, this word will change your life. And it will cause you to think great thoughts because you're reading great books, the greatest book there is. Are you guys with me? That's number one, the greatest book you will need. Now, I want to share with you the rest of these. Point number two, it talks about... Great books broaden your world. Great books broaden your world. I want to suggest to you for the rest of the time that we're talking that you begin to start building up your library, whether that are actual paperback books that you're holding or books you can put in your audiobook, Grab books that will broaden your world. One of the books that changed my life, this is a book for me, not for you. It might be for you. It's called Crazy Love. You may have issues with the author. That's a you thing. The book works great for me. It broadens my concept of the world because it says I want you to view how you should love people and realize that the people in your area, in your arena of life, are not the only people that need love and need care. There are people outside of your arena, of your world, of of, of Stevensville. There's people outside of people right here on Canal. There's people outside of your everyday contact that you deal with, that you need to love beyond that. There are people that are struggling in this part of the country, this part of the world, that God cares about them. He wants resources for them. He wants prayer for them. He wants salvation for them. He wants deliverance for them. Think beyond just your small area. You should, you and I should read stuff that allows us to broaden our thoughts about our everyday life. Can't help but driving over the bridge every Sunday morning, thinking about setup and teardown, thinking about ministry, thinking about where we're going to eat, thinking about What message I'm going to share? That somehow driving over that bridge, I get an opportunity to look at the sunrise and the birds in the air and the people on their boats, and my life begins to spread just a little bit broader than my little bucket. Than my little area, my little arena, this life is not just about where we live for our 40-mile radius of life. This life is so much bigger and so much greater. You and I need to start reading books that expand, expand and broaden our horizons about life itself. That when you hear about the people that are struggling, the tragedies in this world, or the things we should celebrate in this world, that God still works way on that side of town. He can work on this side of town. That if God is a God that wants to deliver and save and heal people over here, surely he wants somebody to deliver and save and help over there. If you've been here and been part of our church uh, uh, drive since December that we've talked about, some of the things that we're doing with our finances, we always talk about that we sow into three different areas of our church. We ask everyone to tithe and to give, and then we ourselves tithe in a certain way. We take 10% of our overall budget, and we give to various ministries or groups. Did y'all hear that? I'll say it again. We take a tenth of our, of our finances each month, and then we give that to other places across the country and the world and in our own area that their lives would be changed. We take that 10% and we give, I forgot what it is. I'm not going with the money. 20% So we give 40% to local missions right here in Kent Island. Out of that 40%, half of that goes to one place. Another half is supposed to go to another place. That's just in Kent Island. You guys with me? Then we give another percentage to a church so they can do a church plan in D.C. Pastor Joel came up here a few weeks, a few months ago and spoke with us so that they can put a church in a tough area of D.C. that is really, when I say tough, they're not really exposed to Christ. They're kind of like, hey, we're cool. We have coffee shops. We don't do church till Sunday evening. Like, they're a really cool kind of crowd of people, a millennial kind of crowd. And we're trying to reach out to that group. Then we take another 20% of our money, and we're putting that into a church that builds churches in Brazil. Like that's what they do. In, in, South, in South America, they, put, they plant churches. We give money so they can plant churches. We give another percent of money to a church in Puerto Rico so that they can continue to do work in Puerto Rico. Y'all see where this money's going? This is not just the Ken Allen thing. Our thing is that we're trying to reach and change lives and impact lives everywhere. You and I need to read great books that allow us to think beyond ourselves and beyond our own world. Because it begins to change your heart, begins to change your perspective, begins to change your point of view. You need to read great books that broaden your worldview. Number three, great books that sharpen your mind. This is my book. This is my book. From good to great in God's eyes. This book changed my whole life. Maybe it changes yours. I hope it does. That's why we're preaching from it. This book changed my whole life. You need to find you a book that changes your whole thought process. Amen. Did you hear the ding? It was like (laughs) light bulb went off. (laughs) Thank you, God. Like light bulb went off. Couldn't time that any better. Why is this book so important to me? You got to find a book that's important to you that changes your, your mind. This book was important to me because I was doing ministry, I was up-and-coming minister, I was preaching God's Word, and I felt really dry. You guys, you know what I mean? Like, I'm doing stuff, I'm serving in ministries, I'm going here and preaching, I'm sharing the Word, people are crying, I'm patting them on their back, oh, God loves you, and every day I go home and I felt dry. I didn't feel like I was doing anything. I didn't feel, like I get that I was significant, but I didn't feel significant. And I heard Chip Ingram on the radio one day, he kept talking about this book, and I don't like to read, I'm not a reader, we've talked about this before, dyslexic, I don't want to read, and so I bought this book, and I started to read it, I've never highlighted anything so much more than the Bible, I highlighted so many things from this book to think great thoughts, to challenge your mind process of how you view life, how you read books, how you read and how you think about prayer and how you think about relationships. It challenged my life to say, are you living God's word? Are, are you one of those, those people that does Christianity, or are you a Christian? It's a deep question. I'll let it process for a second. Are you doing Christianity? Do you look kind of Christian-y, or are you a, are you a, are you a Christian? It challenged my thought process on life and who I am and how I ought to process life. You need great books that are gonna challenge your mind. I was watching one of our, our friends from one of our from a few years ago, and he posted in the Christian book owl of like Borders or wherever it was, and every book was Improve You, Make Yourself Better, The Better You, The Best Version of You, How to Be You on a Higher Level with You of Your Youism. Everything was just you. It was you, 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 you me, 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 me. Where's God? I got to get the best blessing to be me. No, God says, I want you to understand life through my lenses and live life that way. You need to get great books that challenge your thought process of who God is and what God is and how God operates in your life. Here's another book version or, or concept you need to get when you're grabbing a book. Great books inflame your heart. Great books inflame your heart they grow your heart. They give you passion in your heart. They stretch you and push you in ways where you're passionate. The book for me is called Not a Fan. It's a great book. It talks about this idea of are you a fan or a follower? I'll say it again. Are you a fan or a follower? The fan of Christ or a Christian will wear the t-shirt I go here. They got a the T-shirt. They had a little flag, a little foam finger. I love Jesus. He's awesome. They have that. So that's a fan. A follower is regardless of highs or lows, I'm with Jesus. You know, if, you, if, you, if your team is horrible long enough, you might switch your team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True. You know, if your team is, 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 like, really not doing great for five or six or seven years, for some folks, weeks, they'll just switch a team. You know, I love the Wizards, so I'm um, a native Washingtonian. Oh, but that Steph Curry guy from, uh, and then we got a whole new team in New Jersey, new outfit. A follower, we don't change the jersey. A follower, we are committed regardless, high or low, happy time, bad time. We're committed, we're all in, we're bought in. And so this book flamed my heart to make me realize and evaluate am I a fan or am I a follower? Man, there's nothing worse than having one of those Jesus bumper stickers on your car and you were just cussing and fussing and looking like a fool <laughs> driving down the road. Man, I'd like you to scrape that bumper sticker off. Just be, just be a follower. I'm glad you're a fan of the church. Don't worry, we got some bumper stickers for Point coming out soon. Grab one, slap one there, let them know. But, uh, you know, drive the speed limit. <laughs> Don't cut everybody off where they're coming. It will happen to you soon. But trust me, it's okay. Have a bumper sticker. But it's great. But be a follower, not a fan. Find books that inflame your heart, that makes you passionate, that makes you desire the Lord, that makes you want to understand and go deeper. Find people that have a huge, robust library and say, hey, what books are you reading? Pastor Joel is a friend of mine, and every so often I ask him, he's he's a readaholic. (laughs) He's a readaholic, man. He reads all the time. And I ask him, hey, what books are you reading? And he'll list off like eight. And I'm like, you're reading eight books at one time? He's like, yeah, man, you, know the, book. you know, know, the book. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of books, bro. And I sit there, and I take my phone, and I type down in my phone. I have, a, I have a note section in my phone that says books to read. And I type down names. I hear speakers when we go to conferences and stuff, and I write down these names. And I say, I'm going to read that book. And I grab it, and I, I listen to it from car ride to car ride, and I grab these books. And if it's a book that really hits home for me, you know what I do after I listen to it on Audible? I buy it. Let me say it again. I listen to the book. It sounds phenomenal. I buy it. Because I'm weird like that. I sit down and listen to the book again. And I say, I remember chapter 4 was really interesting. And I go find chapter 4 in the book, and I highlight it, and I make a little note. You can write in your books. It's okay. It's yours. you paid for. it. Same thing for the Bible. You can make notes. And then you sit in there, and I make a little note, and I write in there. And bam, now I have notes in my book. That's what I do. Get books that inflame your heart. Get books that grow you and stretch you and make you phenomenal. Number five. Get books that develop your skill. Get books that develop your skill. This book right here called Deep and Wide is something that we're sharing with all of our leaders in our church to read this book. If you're a leader, we've told you to get the book, we've challenged you to get the book, we want you to start reading the book. Why are we asking you to read the book? Because this book will change your process of how church is and how church should run. Doesn't mean everything in this book is 100% spot on. There's a lot of great stuff in this book, and it helps shape and mold your concept of how to do church, how to love people. Oh, well, they're not saved. Should they sing on the praise team? Why not? Because they're not saved. You mean people could sing about God's Word and read His songs and read songs about Him and possibly have an encounter with the Lord on the praise team, even though they're not saved? We shouldn't have them on the praise team? Well, they're not saved. That's a tough one. why shouldn't we? Why should we? Let's take this book and wrestle with it as a church leadership. Let's wrestle with it as elders. Let's figure out what life should look like. Could we possibly have somebody's life be changed by doing the work of God? Is that possible? I never forget this dude was leading worship, not here, but some other church, and he was not saved. He was leading worship. He sounded good. They wanted a singer, And so they had him lead worship. And one day somebody asked him, what do the words mean? And he didn't know. He couldn't articulate what they were talking about. Like he could sing the words. Are you guys with me? He could make it sound beautiful, but he could not really articulate the meaning of the words. And through that process, he gave his life to Christ. Why wouldn't we want to challenge people to, to step into a relationship? I don't want to get into the book too much. But anyway, listen, Just this book right here is what's challenging some of our leaders. Why are we doing things that we do? Why do we think the way that we do? Why are we processing the way that we do? Why do we love people the way we do? How much love do we give them? We're, we're wrestling with it. Because we want people to grow. Find you a book that defines and shapes your skills. If you're a great prayer Prayer person, you like praying, find a book on prayer. If you're a person who likes to help folks, find a book on helping folks. Find books that that develop and define your skill and shape and and make your skill better. It's quiet. I got kids. (laughs) I got kids. Wendy, I know. I got kids. They're not here today, so I can talk about them. I got kids. It's hard being a kid at 14 that has to go to physical training, football training every Saturday for the last six months. It's hard. All you want to do is play video games at 12 o'clock on Friday night. I'm going to talk on the phone to a girl. And your dad comes in the room and says, at 7 o'clock, wake up, eat breakfast, we're going to the gym. Oh, I want to. It's hard, but perfecting your skill is what's going to open the doors for you to be successful in life. Are you guys with me? And one day, a little fourteen-year-old kid who grumbles some days about practice. Hopefully, one day he'll turn around and say, "Man, this." This made me better to have better opportunities. You got me? You guys with me? You need to read great books that are going to help perfect your skill. For some of you, you're great teachers, you're great speakers, you want to be a great preacher. We got books for that. Grab a book that's going to help make you better and more successful. Read, read, read. Grab information on how to do. Read information on what's going to make you think at a higher level, at a different uh, perspective. Here's the last one. Great books heal your soul. Great books heal your soul. Information, skills, inflaming your heart, that's great. But there are certain books that resonate and speak to you. This is a phenomenal book. It's called Marriage Undercover. It's about a husband and wife who were pastoring an amazing church In our country, it was a huge church. They were on TV. They were everywhere. And one of the things that they do is that they bring in um, transitional uh, families or people, and they set them up and get them back on their feet, and then they go out and do life. That's what they do. And one homeless man they had in the house began to give all this attention to the pastor's wife and the pastor's out preaching and and doing church work, and she's doing church work, but he's doing so much work that she becomes lonely, and they end up this homeless man who's been living in their house and the pastor's wife have an affair. And the problem is that this man that she has slept with has now gotten her pregnant. And when this pastor finds out He's upset, he's angry, he's frustrated, he's hurt, as you could imagine. Not because he's a pastor, but because he's a human. And the next problem is... So he decides, he talks to one of his pastors and his pastor say, listen, you said, here's your vows. You said, you know, you guys got to figure out, do you want to make it work regardless of stuff? Stuff happens. Can you make it work? Can you push past it? And he says, you know, I'm going to try. And the problem is that now that she's pregnant, they've gotten this homeless man out of their house. They have other older kids that are in the house, and she's pregnant. And the problem is the man that she slept with was African-American. And so them being a family that is not African-American are going to have a baby that is not the same complexion as everybody else in the family. They can pass this off on. You guys with me where I'm going? And so he says he grabs his children, these teenage children. He sits them down on the bedroom, and he takes this comforter, and he pulls his wife next to him, and he says, I want you to understand that sometimes we make mistakes and we have issues and we have problems. And God doesn't leave us when we have issues, when we have problems. He takes the comforter and places it over his wife. And he says, God's job is even when we make mistakes to cover us. And then he wraps his arms around his wife and says, and God loves us in our mess. And he covers us. And he learns and he tells us that we're going to learn how to deal with life together. And we'll be able to make it through life's hard times. Mommy may have done something that wasn't great. But God covers us and he loves us. And we're going to love every circumstance and situation that comes out of things that aren't always great. And he takes his whole family and he quits his ministry and he moves them up north to Canada. Because he doesn't want his wife or his children to receive all the hardship that's going to come from what they're supposed to represent. And in Canada, they raise this child... And this book comes out and this information comes out and a brand new ministry that reaches not just the same people, but a whole different audience of people comes from this book comes from this couple, comes from this family. You need to understand that God's grace is amazing and it's wonderful and there are circumstances that you and I have gotten involved in, that we've played a part in, that were done to us, that have messed us up in certain ways, but God's grace still covers us and he loves us and he watches over us and he still protects us and he still encourages us to be successful. And Marriage Undercover is not just about husbands and wives. It's about God's grace and his love and how he treats and sees all of us. And so I would say to you, grab books that inspire and ignite your soul to make you realize this is the God of the universe, and he uses everyday, average, ordinary people to relay amazing, significant messages to us. Find great books that encourage and inflame and put passion in your soul. Find books that help you understand how much God's grace is really grace. Find books that encourage you and say, you've been wounded, you've been hurt, but there's still more in life that I have for you than where you got stuck at a few years ago. Great books should be used to change your soul, to get passion, to to infuse your soul with life again. Find great books that affect your soul. You guys are saying Pastor B, man, you're really really hitting us hard today. I don't like reading. I'm dyslexic. I hate reading. <laughs> I win. <laughs> you don't like it. I can't keep the words still on the page. I win. And if I can sit here and tell you I have a library full of books, audio books and books at home, I got books with boxes in it. And there's some days I go downstairs and trip on kids' toys as I go down the stairs into the basement and dig through boxes to find great books. Then you should have a library full of books, too. Listen to them, read them, download them, go on YouTube and watch the animated version of it. Whatever you got to do, grab that book. And start to burn it into your soul because great books will challenge your thought process and change your life. The greatest book there is is the Bible. But here's a takeaway I want you to have for why I suggest to read all these other books. This is a quote from Chip Ingram's book, um, From Good to Great. And this is what he says somewhere in this chapter here.
1: I want you to catch a vision. To realize that you can sit under the teaching of history's greatest minds and most devoted hearts and see how life can be transformed by the experience of those who have lived by faith and experienced God's work.
0: I want you to catch this because what Chip Ingram is saying to us and what's absolute truth is that there are people over hundreds of years ago that have written amazing books. There are people last week that wrote a great book. There's books that have been bestsellers. There are books that haven't been bestsellers, but they have been life-changing and transformative. And he says you have an opportunity to get amazing godly knowledge and wisdom from people that have written books that you may not be able to talk to or give a phone call to or have passed away, but the truth that they have written down is lasting forever or lasting for an extremely long time. Grab these books, grab hold of these amazing teachers, these amazing authors that have written God's truth or the principles of his truth and begin to digest them as your everyday living. There are people that pay thousands of dollars Sit in conferences to hear somebody speak. There's people that pay 20 bucks to hear me speak. <laughs> I ain't there yet. But you could pay $19.99 and have a book in your hands forever that you could refer back to, that you're not just paraphrasing, but that you are living out, you are believing in because it's changed your life in amazing ways. Great thoughts. From good to great. Great books change your great thoughts. Great books change your great process of living. Great books change how you process life. Great books change who you are. How do I know that's true? You guys are a Christian. There was some aspect of the Bible that has had an imprint on your life. I believe there are other books that have been God-inspired that can have amazing imprints on your life as well. Let's pray. God, it's by your grace, it's by your mercy, it's by your love, it's by your kindness. That you, Lord, challenge us; that you, Lord, desire more things from us. And so, God, we're going to ask that you would um, fill us with your Holy Spirit; that you would push us with your Holy Spirit to receive your truth. The Father, we would start asking questions. We would start asking people that we know, "What books are you reading?" That we start asking questions on how to grow our spiritual lives how to define and shape and sharpen our lives, that we would have the very best life with you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.